Hey dragons, welcome to episode 49 of the Dumbos and Dragons podcast. This episode is with BJ Keaton, aka Professor Beige from the Geek to Geek podcast and the uh, Geek Fitness Health Hacks podcast. Love sitting down talking with Beige. Uh, super fun guy. I, didn't, I haven't had a chance to talk to him since I was on the Geek to Geek podcast. Uh, talking Pokemon Go last summer. So it was really good to catch up with Beige. I really hope I get to have him on a little bit more. He's such a fun guy. This conversation could have could have gone on for two hours. But uh, you will hear all about that on the show. Let's get to some of the show notes. Um, first, coming up, not this weekend, but next weekend, the 18th and 19th, is LA Cookie Con. It is a uh, sweets and confectionery convention out here in LA. Uh, last year I got to achieve a dream of mine, which is I got to meet Sarah Michelle Geller at it. Um, she was the guest speaker, the keynote speaker. Um, but this year they have some other really great guests. I will include a link to their website on the show notes, so check that out. Other than that, if I do think I gush a little bit on Jenny and Kristen from Buffering the Vampire Slayer podcast. Uh, I met them in person the other day, and they are absolutely wonderful people. Uh, So be sure to check their podcast out as well. And other than that, uh, like me on social, follow me on social, and uh, subscribe, download, wherever you get your podcasts. Love you guys. Thank you so much, and have a great day. In the basement, rolling dice. Welcome back, Dragons, to episode 49 of the Dumbbells and Dragons podcast, where nerd and fitness culture collide. I am your host, Kenny Rotter, and today I am joined by one of the podcasters that I love to listen to, BJ Keaton from the uh, Professor Beige, as you may know him, from the geek to geek podcast and the Geek Fit Health Hacks podcast. Beige, how you doing, man? I'm doing wonderfully, finally, uh, over the sick apocalypse, and I am finally able to sit up straight, so I am dandy. Excellent. I am so glad to hear that. I'm so glad we could get our schedules worked out. Uh, I don't, yeah. I don't think we've spoken in real time since uh, the Pokemon podcast last July. Yeah. yeah, it's been quite a while, actually. Um, and I hope things are going well for you. How's everything going? Everything's going wonderfully. Like, I I quit my job and started freelancing, so doing that is just everything has lined up really, really well. I did not expect the uh, kind of influx of work that I got immediately, so I can't complain a bit. I mean, the sun's shining, uh, I'm not sick anymore, and work's good, so all right, I'm good. Excellent, excellent. What sort of work are you doing freelance? Uh... Marketing, web design, and writing. It's kind of a hodgepodge of things. I am working as the uh, digital marketing di- uh, coordinator for a book festival here in town in uh, Florence, Alabama that we're doing. Um, I'm doing a lot of freelance writing for different uh, local magazines and uh, online publications, uh, which surprises me because I haven't reached out to any of them. They came to me, so I was like, 
huh, that's odd, but I'll take it. You'll pay me. And, uh, <laughs> and then I've done a couple of websites and things like that, putting together WordPress websites and web apps because of, you know, doing it as a hobby for years gave me, uh, enough to be able to move forward and do, you know, basic web design and, uh, fundamental stuff there. So it's, it's worked out really, really well, kind of touch, touching base. I'm kind of like a druid in World of Warcraft. I do everything. I'm no expert at any of it. Well, except for writing, I guess. But, uh, then, you know, just doing everything kind of keeps their revenue streams coming in and letting me work without pants on every day. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, we, yeah. should, we should all be so lucky to have jobs where we cannot wear pants. Although I do have to say, you know, it sounds like a dream, and most of the time it is. There are other times where it's like, I'm putting pants on today, and I'm going out to work. I'm going to work in a coffee shop or the library, and I have to put on big boy clothes today. And uh, <laughs> it just makes such a difference. Kind of like dressing out to go to the gym. Because if you put those on, you put on your gym shorts, it's like, all right, I've already done this. I'm going to go to the gym now. Where it's like, I put on jeans. I'm not in Superman pajama pants now. Might as well go out and actually do real work. No, I absolutely hear you on that. Um, when I was actually in between jobs and looking for work, I realized that I got a lot more done on the days where I actually got dressed. Mm-hmm. It's really strange how I did not expect that when I was uh, doing this, because over the summer, whenever I was teaching, I would write books, I would work on different projects, and I would be lying on a love seat in my pajamas and with a laptop on my lap all day long and getting as much done as I possibly could. The moment it became my full-time job, it's like, man, I'm less productive when I'm wearing these. I have to get re- <laughs> I have to get dressed today. Oh, I know. Uh... So yeah, I think other people out there can uh, can empathize on that feeling and have lived that themselves. Yeah. So what's new with the Geek to Geek podcast and the Health Hacks podcast? Uh, I am trying to reformat the uh, Health Hacks podcast. I really dropped off a few months ago because you know my fitness fell off. I got sick and the winter came and I wasn't running anymore and. So the, the health hacks one kind of fell off with that. And I've started up, I think yesterday, as of this recording, I was able to get an interview up and post it. We're not really an interview, uh, guest hosting where we were talking about stuff and self care. And I really want to do that more often since I'm able to, to work on, uh, things and have a side project day every week to set aside. It'll be a lot easier to get podcasts up, you know, just have it a scheduled part of my week now instead of having to fit it in between other things. And with uh, Geek to Geek in April, we're, I think it's April, maybe it's March, we're coming up on uh, one calendar year of doing it. We've started season two uh, and really trying to uh, bump up the quality, not the quality was bad by any means, but really bump up the quality, make sure we're progressing and learning what we're doing and really just looking at ways that we can expand it and uh, get the audience and listeners involved more because we've learned over the last year that as we started doing it, we're like, hey, we're going to be these guys. We're going to talk and we're going to interact with people. But the community has been so wonderful that we really just want to expand that and reach out and do more with the people who, you know, listen so that we can so that we're friends with them. That's one of the best things about it is becoming legitimate friends with these people and you and everybody else we've met through this where it's like, you know, that's what we want to focus on this year with the geek to geek cast. Well, yeah, and I, I have totally experienced that myself. I know uh, next week is going to be our 50th episode, which Woo! I know, um, although part of me always feels that numbers are arbitrary, and the only reason we celebrate zero numbers is because we've created some sort of significance to them, 
Yay, um, base 10 numbering. <laughs> Yay, zeros, right? Thanks for inventing zeros, guys. Huzzah! Uh, but I was trying to figure out why my 52nd episode wasn't lining up with my when I started. Yeah. And it took me a while, and then I realized it's because I launched with three or four episodes. Oh, I was like, I was yeah, like oh, yeah. that's why. Which is good to have in feeds and things like that to be able to so that people can actually go back immediately and listen to a lot and invest in you. Yeah, uh, my main my main thing when I started was I didn't want people to think that it would just oh he's he's put up one episode you know he's not committed to this or if he stops uh-huh. after a week you know um, why hit the why waste my time hitting the subscribe button so. Exactly. And that's been one of my big fears, having dropped off, that I want to become far more regular, because that is a major thing in, you know, blogging, podcasting, whatever, fitness, whatever we're doing, where if you're not consistent, it is, it's so hard to build a base. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, but, and it's weird, because there are some podcasts, like your guys's, um Average Geek Show, I Remembered It Better, yeah. where... They'll take an unannounced hiatus, and after like a week or two, I'll notice that I'm not getting any new episodes, and I'll be like, where are my friends? I know! (laughs) That's actually the way I feel about a lot of things with TV shows, podcasts, anything like that, articles that I see popping up on social media. It's like, but my my buddies are gone. I did that with uh, Writing Excuses, the podcast with Brandon Sanderson and uh, the fantasy author and a roundtable of people there. It's when I ran out of seasons, I listened to like 10 seasons of this podcast in a row as I was working on some books. And when it was over and I was having to wait week to week instead of being able to binge them, I was like, I miss my buddies. I want to, I want to hear their jokes. I miss Howard making stupid remarks. And I was, it really made me sad. I, I totally know what you're talking about. I miss my podcast friends. Yeah. Oh, and, and it's, it's, I felt that way with the, the comic book saga. Oh, I haven't read it. I've read like the first page of it. I know that it's awesome and that I need to read it and just haven't gone and read it yet. Um, it's, it's Brian K. Vaughn is consistently what I think is like the, one of the most underrated comic authors. He is so good. I just think everything he touches turns to gold. Pretty much, yeah. He is one of the most talented, I wouldn't even say comic writers, just writers in general. Yeah. Right now, he is one of the most talented storytellers these days. And I I read the first five trades. Okay. And then as soon as I finished, like a week later, Volume 6 came out, and so I obviously picked that up. And then I've had to wait six months for Volume 7, and it's not coming out till April. And I'm like, I'm like, no, I need to know what's happening. Um, you can always go on Comixology or something like that and buy the digital issues and have that immediate gratification of reading them. I know, but see, it's the individual issue things I I just can't do. It's just part of me is just it's not cost effective. If it is, yeah, for it you, is so not. Like, yeah, there's been there's been one, two two arcs that I've done. The single issues. It was um, this comic book, The Electric Sublime, by mm, okay. J. I haven't Max- heard of that one. Uh, it's by J. Maxwell Prince. He was actually on the podcast in November, December. Um, it's essentially, it was a four, I, I hope it gets picked up and it becomes an ongoing series, but it's about this 
essentially insane person who can travel into famous works of art. That sounds awesome. Yeah. And essentially, there is a bad guy that we haven't met yet that is defiling famous works of art. Oh, um, okay. And using it to commit crimes. And so it's kind of like a mystery about what's happening. It's really trippy, um, but really very well done. So, um, and it's only four issues, and I think the fourth issue just came out this week. That's so. awesome. I wrote it down as you were talking about this. Like, I'm going to go see that, like, as soon as I get done with this. Yeah. He he also did a just a one-off trade called One Week in the Library. Okay. And each – it's divided into seven parts, seven days of the week. And each one has a very different style to it, but there's an overall story about the same character. Um Really good, really well done. So if anybody wants something just to pick up that's fun art and a fun little story that's very self-contained, go for it. And I love graphic novels like that, where they're legit graphic novels, where they have a story to tell, they tell the story and they move on, as opposed to having an ongoing series like a lot of superhero comics are, where you just have arcs and and tie-ins to everything else that just continually goes. I love a self-contained graphic novel and comic set like that. Yeah. Um, Speaking of self-contained graphic novels and Brian K. Vaughn, um, if you really want the feels... Uh, Pride of Baghdad. Oh, I've never, never even heard of this one. Oh, so it was about, um, it was based on a true story that um, after the bombing of Baghdad um, by the U.S. in yeah. in one of the times where we bombed Baghdad. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. As, as just one of those times. Just one, <laughs> and and that, that's sad that we can say and laugh about, but it's like, yep. One of those times. Well, uh, you know, you can laugh or you can cry. So, I mean... So I choose laughter. Yeah, choose laughter. Um, but this U.S. forces, essentially after the bombing, were going through the city, found a pride of lions just kind of oh. wandering through that had escaped from the Baghdad Zoo. Um, that sounds fantastic. Um, it will give you the feels. I bet. So I can just just the the idea of a pride of lions in a city like that and war torn city. It's like, oh yeah, I'm I'm gonna cry because I love big kitties. Okay, um, then I recommend you draw yourself a bath, pull, <laughs> pull up a glass of red wine, and just go to your happy place. And while you're reading this, <laughs> otherwise it may get pretty nihilistic in there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, anyways. So, uh, people, I think, have gotten a good feel for who you are in just this last 10, 15-minute conversation we had. Right. But um, who is your favorite all-time hero, either personal hero, your favorite superhero, a source of inspiration? Oh, good night. Um, for years, I probably would have said Batman. You know, growing up, that would be it. But the more I think about it, the more I, I you know, maybe Yoda. Honestly, actually, no, Spider-Man. It, looking up, <laughs> I, I, I see a statue of Spider-Man that I have in my window, and I saw that, and I'm like, yeah, it is it is definitely Spider-Man. Of almost anybody in, in, like, comic books, novels, people real life, I've never really had role models. But, you know, so many people, I, I, have you ever seen the Iron Giant? Yes. 
and where he he connects with Superman in so many levels. He's like, I want to be Superman. That's where he drew his inspiration and how he wanted to act. That's kind of the way that I feel about Spider-Man, where he's just a normal dude trying to live his life and do the right thing. It's like that is that is pretty much where I want to be in life. And that's one of the things I don't like about the current Spider-Man run is that they've made him like this uh, poor man's Tony Stark with his own story, with his own uh, uh, company and the storylines going through that. Where it's interesting, but I like, you know, high school science teacher Peter, where he's trying to balance, you know, his marriage, his life, his family, and being a superhero and being a good guy. It's like, I guess that's kind of probably my, my all-time favorite thing, is just I love these Spider-Man and these ordinary people trying to do right. Real quick, is that arc, Is I mean, is that storyline through the Amazing Spider-Man, like, issue, like, yeah. whatever they're on? It's, okay. It's an Amazing Spider-Man, and I think it ties in with Silk and maybe some of Spider-Woman, and I know it's part of the Spider-Verse stuff they did. It came after the Secret Wars and things like that. I think it was Secret Wars, because it went through Secret Wars and then Civil War, where when they reset the timeline a while back, that was part of what happened with Peter, was he... uh he had his brain taken over by Doc Ock, and that became the superior Spider-Man line. When he got his brain back and got his own body back, um, Doc Ock had finished out his uh, PhD and set up basically Stark Industries for Peter Parker. So he has Parker Industries going through making all of this high tech for Spider-Man, and it it removed a bit of the humanity for me. But at the same time, the stories are still super good. He's still Peter and everything. He's just not, you know, struggling for money, taking pictures of Spider-Man Peter. Yeah, but that's, that's one of the things that made him so relatable. Yeah, I know. And that's my biggest thing. Like, he has a Spider-Mobile now. And it's interesting, but it's not my favorite thing they've ever done. Like, I'm keeping on reading it. Like, I'm reading these on Marvel Unlimited as it comes out. And they're very, very good. It's just, it's not quite the Spider-Man, and it's not even the Spider-Man that I grew up with. It's just not the Spider-Man that I like and relate to the most. Because, you yeah. know, I'm not a corporate executive with billions of dollars. Well, and it's like, it's like if our superpower is podcasting, you know, it's very much like I can relate to Spider-Man struggling for money and having yeah. a day job taking photos and then also being a superhero. Whereas it's like I can relate to that because in my d- day job, I go to work, you know, I work my nine to five gig and then I come home and I work on my podcast. Exactly. Uh, and st- and I also do some some other stuff. <laughs> but struggling to find that work-life passion balance is uh yeah. is what made Spider-Man so relatable, at least to me. Yeah, exactly. And it was me too. Like that was my favorite thing about it. And I actually stopped reading it for years whenever they did the, uh, I can't remember what it was called now. Was it a one more day? I think may have been when, uh, he basically sold his marriage with Mary Jane to, and like they had never met and never married when to save May's life. And so that she wouldn't have gotten killed. And with like Mephisto, and that made me so mad that I stopped giving Marvel money. That I was like, no, this storyline is stupid. You took away who I thought the character was, and it pretty much just cu- I cut them off at that point, and only recently started uh, paying for Marvel Unlimited when they have sales. Yeah, that's okay. That just goes against because Peter was always struck me as somebody who's like still a little practical. Yeah. And, and so, he still is, but it's just a, a different level of it, I guess. 
And, you know, the character has to grow, and, you know, I understand that you're just telling new stories, and, and it's comic books, so it'll change again soon, but... Yeah, but it's like, it's like, I feel Peter Parker, with a science background, would understand, you know, ants and older generations die. Yeah. And that and it's May. That was what it was. Like, he was just too close to it. He couldn't see, because it was killed. She was killed. I can't remember if it was Bullseye or who it was that killed her now, because it's been years since I read it. But yeah. she got shot from a sniper, basically, and he was like, no, this isn't how it's going to happen. And Now, was so. this was this old Aunt May or Marissa yes. Tomei Aunt May? No, it was old Aunt May. Okay. I was just curious. Um, speaking of Spider-Man, are you excited for Homecoming? Yes. I didn't think I was going to be, and then I saw Civil War, and I was like, yep, yep, we're okay. We're good. Tom Holland, he, I'm all in with him being teenage Peter Parker. Cause I was really hoping for the next Spider-Man to be adult Peter that I like so much. And when they were going back to the teenager, I was like, oh man, again? But they got it spot on. Like he, he feels like Peter Parker. He feels like Spider-Man. So I'm good. Like, and they're doing an animated, uh, theatrical release with Miles Morales in it. So yeah, everything seems to be that. doing really well with Spider-Man. Yeah. And, and I got I heard a lot of people um, give grief about the Aunt May, about Marissa Tomei as Aunt May. Oh and no! I was like, I liked it one because yeah. none of us had like, well, at least nobody I know has a grandparent age aunt or uncle. I have one actually that, but not as a teenager. I mean, my aunt is, I believe, she's twenty years older than my mom, who is twenty three years older than I am. So she's 77 now. Okay. And I have her, but it's, you know, I'm, you know, I'm 34 years old. So that's normal. Not when you're like 15 years old. Like that, yeah. that is, that isn't necessarily the way that, that people have those loved ones like that. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a departure from the comics that I actually enjoy. Yeah. It makes that, it that's a, a good way to put it. Yeah, as long as as long as there's no romance with Tony Stark, if that happens, I'm just I'm gonna be checked out. I can see them doing it, but I'm I'm the kind of person who I don't really care about romance. Yeah. Like, and it's not that I don't care about romance because you know I love rom coms. Like, I am <laughs> I am all in when you put something like that. Like, I love them. Like, failure to launch these dumb, stupid romantic comedies. Like, I love them. And, but something, some stories don't need romance. That's the thing. If it moves the narrative forward, that's great. But if it's just put in to have a romance in the story, then it detracts from the overall narrative. Oh, yeah. Wholeheartedly agree. Now, um, we've gone on and on and on and on about Spider-Man, which is right. pheno phenomenal Sorry. and no problem with that whatsoever. But is, is Spider-Man your favorite area of nerdiness or is there another area that you are hugely passionate about? Usually it's Star Wars. Star Wars is like, has always been my thing. Like, that is, I have a Yoda statue with latex skin and hair from Episode 2 I got for Christmas one year. Like, that was my Christmas gift. Was it was like FAO Schwartz, like, life-size Yoda statue. Like, I, my entire room, basically, has always been Star Wars figures, and, and that's been my collection. But... That's my main thing. You know, I had my 30th birthday party. We had lightsaber fights in the street outside my house <laughs> after it got dark. Like, we had this nerdy 30 birthday party. It was fantastic. And my wife said, looking for gifts that year, she said, she asked her little cousin, 
what I, what she thought she could, should get me for a gift because my main gift was this you know huge nerdy thirty party and something to get me and she was like well what does BJ like and she was like Star Wars superheroes and exercise so yeah pretty much Spider Man uh, Spider Man and Star Wars that's why I can go on and on and on about it. Uh, just don't get me started on Rogue One. Go listen to the Geek to Geek cast about Rogue One if you want to hear me, uh, my thoughts on that one. But I wasn't a huge fan. Yeah, but other I, than that, Star Wars. I remember, I remember you and, uh, um, oh my gosh, why am I blanking? Void. Void, yes. Uh, totally disagreeing on that. And I was like, huh, I did not expect that. Yeah, and I went in looking for it to be like, I, I was fanboying out. For a long time, I wasn't. And then finally, when it got near it, I was like, yeah, I was all in on Star Wars. And then it was, then the English teacher kicked in, the uh, film studies, narratologist. You know, I started my PhD in film studies and never finished it. So like, my thing, it, that kicked in. And I was like, yeah, this story isn't told well. This isn't move, this movie isn't put together well. And here's all of the reasons why. And so I couldn't enjoy it from a fan perspective just because it was, I had that part of the analytical side that I could not turn off. Oh, that's, that reminds me of how a lot of people reacted. Do you remember the movie American Beauty? Yeah. Uh, when I saw that movie, I was like, oh my gosh, this movie is so amazing and brilliant. Yep. You know, Kevin Spade, oh my gosh. And then it's like every therapist that I knew was like, this movie's crap. I see this every day. Yeah. Um, yeah. That that's actually really funny to do for the therapist to say that. I go in. I've I've saw a counselor for my anxiety over the last year, and I would go in and I would say all this stuff. And as it came out of my mouth, I would just look at her and say, "I'm a cliche. Everybody deals with this." And she's like, "Yeah, they do, but you know, does it make it any less? Uh, you know, does it let make it have any less impact on your life?" And I was like, "Still, I feel like a cliche right now." And that's kind of you know the way it is with American views. Like, yep, this is everybody. Well, and, and, you know, we, we've spoken about mental health on the podcast and I've spoken to like, um, you know, therapists and right. people on the podcast about, about mental health. Cause you know, mental health is an area of health and fitness Yeah, and it's, it's okay. Yeah. Some of that stuff is cliche, but does it make it any less real to you? No, it's still, you know, that is, that is something I've had to learn to deal with is, yeah, it's a cliche. Yeah, I've, I have all of these, you know, pretty much textbook ideas of some mental health issues. Doesn't make it any less real. You know, it, it when you're in that moment, I can't remember who I was talking to, but it's like, uh, when you're a teenager, it is, you know, you, you feel all of these emotions and, you know, you're, you know, you're 30 years old and you look back at these 15 year olds and it's like, that stuff doesn't matter. But you know what? When you are 15 years old, that stuff matters. That stuff is the most important thing in your life right now. And no one can belittle that. No one should belittle that because we all felt it. And it was just as real to us then as it is to those 15 year olds now that, uh, that's the way I feel about a lot of the mental health things. Like, yeah, it may not affect me that way, but if it affects you, then it is every bit as real and as important as anything else. No, absolutely. And, and one of the most important things is to not let people discount your feelings. Yeah. If someone is out there and they're discounting your feelings and making you think that you shouldn't feel the way you feel, go get support from somebody else. Mm-hmm. You know, because there is somebody out there to support you in that. Oh, that. Abso absolutely. Um, and, and it's, it's, 
so I'm I'm trained as an attorney. Okay, right? I didn't know that. That's awesome. Oh, thank you. Um, and that's what I do in my in my nine to five gig. But for the longest time, like during law school and right after law school, like you're trained to think so logically. That oh yeah. In in my relationships, I would you know girlfriends and you know, family members would be like upset at something I had done. And I'd be like, well, there's no logical reason you should be upset. And it took me so many failed relationships and so many fights and arguments to realize, okay, somebody might not have a logical reason for being upset, but that doesn't make them not upset. Yeah. Yes, that is, you know, that's a very good point. And, and it's, it's, it's like when you would do, I don't know if you've ever done this, but have you ever done the non-apology apology? The I'm oh. sorry you feel that way? Oh yeah. I am, I'm the master of that one. I'm a oh. turd. <laughs> <laughs> um, I realized that that's such a shitty apology. Part of my language. <laughs> it is. It's, it's so bad. I, and I learned it, it, I got an analogy one time. It's like, it's like saying, it's like me punching you in the face and causing <laughs> your nose to bleed and then say, I'm sorry your nose is bleeding. Yeah. Sorry your nose broke, buddy. And it's like, oh man, it's like, oh yeah. So anyways. Yeah. It, it, it's just so douchey. I mean, that, that is the oh, way that so I think douchey. about that kind of thing because it, and I, I'm really bad about that. Like, like that is something I've had to work on is empathy and, and coming across and seeing why people are upset as opposed to, yeah, you know, I'm sorry. Like, like even with my wife, we've learned to fight better where when we're having an argument, it's not like, I'm sorry you're upset. It's no, I'm sorry I upset you. Like yes. take, take ownership of that. Even if I don't think I'm in the wrong, I can at least still understand that I'm the one who did this. Yes. That I caused this in some way and we need to move on. Not, it doesn't make it any less my fault. It doesn't belittle her feelings and it doesn't belittle my, my feelings, but somebody is at fault and sometimes that's me. You know. Most of the time that's me. Let me be completely <laughs> honest. Let me like most of the time that's me. I am. That's not even a marriage cliche. That is just my personality. It's like most of the time that's me. You know, it's so true. It's like a lot of times life is 5% what you do and 95% how we react to it. So if you react yeah. poorly to something, then you're just making it a bigger deal than it needs to be. And that's actually something I've had to work on in the last year and a half. Like I started having these massive panic attacks where I was um, like unable to drive to work. Like it, I couldn't function at work. I had to have my, like my coworkers cover for me a lot. Like not even like not coming in. Like I was just unfunctional. Like when I was there, and like the idea of responding and not reacting to things has pretty much changed every aspect of my life because it was. It's given me the opportunity through meditation and a lot of thought management of when somebody says something or does something, those reactions, like you said, if I can take stock of that situation immediately and learn how to take stock and not just react with my gut impulse and like take two seconds and not say the snarky thing that I'm thinking, that makes life better for me and everybody around me. And it is a skill that has taken me 
months to even get like a year and goodness gracious, it was almost a year and a half now, 18 to 20 months of practice to get moderately okay at it. But it has changed the way that I live my life that way. We're just changing the idea of reaction to responding, like being conscious about it is fantastic. It makes everything, it makes the difference big time. Oh yeah. And I think there's something to be said for not being attached. Yes. To, to like, you, you can be invested. Oh, absolutely. Without being attached. Uh, and one of the things that I've learned in my current job is sometimes you will counsel people and you will give them the spot on legal advice and then they will take it and absolutely ignore everything you're telling them every last thing and i can't imagine how frustrating that is from a legal standpoint oh. we're like this is this is how you do this and they're like yeah no well and it's it's ridiculous because it's they are going against their own best interest yes but sometimes they're so attached or there's so many egos involved that you need to, like, I personally need to step away and be like, look, whatever you want me to do, I'm going to put in my 110%. Yes. But that doesn't mean we're going to win. And if the chance of you winning is 2% and they're offering a settlement at, you know, 50% of what <laughs> you would have had to do... um, Betting odds say take the 50%. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, but sometimes it's just like, like I said, so many egos are involved. So many things are, you know, I just, you just have to disconnect and be like, all right, you do you, bro. Yeah, it really is. And studying up on Buddhism has actually helped me understand the difference in being invested and being attached. That, that, oh, yeah. that attachment is really is an issue and it's not saying that you can't care about anything it's just seeing things from a rational perspective and and looking at it pragmatically uh what got you into buddhism uh the, the actually the book 10 percent happier by dan harris he started having panic attacks on air he was an he's he is an abc newscaster and after spending some time in a war zone he didn't realize it affected him and he got into cocaine use really hard and then started having like post-traumatic stress that he didn't realize and had panic attacks on air while newscasting. I think it was Good Morning America, maybe. And he started studying on, you know, what's wrong with me. And, you know, and it turns out there wasn't anything wrong with him, but it led him down the to the mindfulness and meditation stuff by reading a lot of different things. And he started working with a guy named Joseph Goldstein, who is a Buddhist uh, meditation. Like, I hate using the word guru because it's not the case, but he's a leader. He, he, he is really responsible for bringing a lot of mindfulness to the public eye and his teaching in the book, reading about him and then using the 10% Happier app where it has recordings of him doing guided meditations and anecdotes and really teachings from him, like bringing it for the uh, secular side where it's not religious at all. It's not even philosophical. It's just taking these teachings and applying it to your life really got me interested in the idea of Buddhism. And 
And that has kept me reading about it constantly and really identifying with a lot of these philosophies and seeing how just seeing how people are connected and how general moods of like the world right now is in a kind of a miserable place. Like it just everything feels negative right now, even on sunny, bright, happy days. There's just this kind of overpowering feeling of negativity and almost hopelessness for a lot of people. And I feel that. And honestly, the the learning about Buddhism and and having these ideas and how people over the years have dealt with that has really helped me be able to cope with that and get strategies to keep living my life and you know not be attached to that but be a part of it. So yeah, ten percent happier is just fantastic. If you've not read it, I highly suggest it. All right, it's on. I'm putting it on the list. Uh, where is, is 10% Happier app on Android or just iOS? I think it's both. I'm pretty sure they have it for both of them. And I think it's got like three or four like of the meditations for free. And then it's like $10 to, to buy the first set of them. It's like two weeks worth with some repeatable ones. And it is worth $10. Like it has seriously led me to becoming a calmer, more happy person. And I like the idea of the 10% happier things because, like, you know, when you think about overall happiness, people are, are, you know, it's not a dichotomy. It's not you're happy or you're not happy. There is a range of happiness and contentedness. And when you think about how happy you are at any given time, being 10% happier than you are at this very moment, that's a pretty good increase in happiness because you're never going to be, you know, fully happy like everything is, you know, rainbow poop and uh, unicorn rainbow poop and uh, <laughs> glitter, it's going to be sometimes 10% happier. That's a lot of increase. So that's why I really like it. It put a lot of things into perspective for me is just thinking about it. That's awesome. And real quick, I, I'm, I'm searching for it on the Android store and 10% happier just gives me to an app called Calm and an app called Happier. So maybe... Uh, oh no, let me... Yeah, it's it, you don't have to look right now, but maybe uh, we'll t- we'll do some talking after the episode, and I'll include yeah. the, the right links in the show notes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, now, of course, everyone who listens knows that as soon as Buddhism gets brought up, I have to bring up um, probably one of my favorite uh, Buddhism authors, Brad Warner. Have you heard of Brad Warner? No, but I'm writing him down right now too. Um, he writes, uh, the Hardcore Zen blog and wrote a book called Hardcore Zen. He was a, um, punk musician back in the day and he moved to Japan and started working on like what's called the Ultraman series. If you're ever familiar with Ultraman, like, oh yeah. Old Power Ranger style ninja fights. Oh, absolutely. I loved Ultraman growing up. Like, I think it was mid 90s when there was like an Ultraman Super Nintendo game that I rented and I was like, oh yeah, Ultraman and started reading as much as I could find about it, you know, way before the internet. Yeah. Yeah. So he, he works on those and it's just his kind of, the book is a, his entry into Buddhism as well as like, kind of how to get into Buddhism. Yeah. And he's he's very much of the mindset where he's like, look, I'm not the authority on this. You know, question me, question everybody else. I'm not going to be the guy who says, 
this is the right way to practice Buddhism. He's like, I'm going to tell you that this is the way I practice, and then you go do your own thing. Yep. Um, and Hardcore Zen is a book that came into my life at the exact right time I needed it. Yeah, um, that's, and, that's how I feel about 10% Happier. It's like, literally the moment I needed something like this, I powered through it while I was running. And I was like, yep, this is everything. This is everything right now. So I totally feel you on that. I'm Sorry assuming, to interrupt, but yeah, no, I, no, I just no, had to like, yes, yes, yes. I'm assuming you had the audio book then, if you, unless you could actually read while running, because impressive. No, no, I'm talented in many ways, but not like that. I've read comic books while driving before, don't try that. And I, no, no, no reading while running. So yeah, it was the audio book, it was great. Okay, I'm actually looking that up right now on Overdrive. So if anyone loves ah, Overdrive like I yes. do. Oh, I love Overdrive. So good. So good. All right, there good. we go. It's bookmarked. Dan Harris. Awesome. Yeah. Um, no, so that's, so I, I very much recommend, I actually need to send an email to Brad Warner and see if he wants to be on the show. That he's, would be awesome. Yeah. He's based in LA, so he might. Um, all right. But I want to move into what you guys on the Geek to Geek podcast call weekly geekery and then all right. what, what, uh, Joe, what does Joe call it? Oh, I cannot remember. Oh, I feel like such a bastard. Um, anyways, I call it workout nerd out. But before I okay. get into what, before I get into that, I want to know if you could have any superpower, what would it be? Oh, any superpower. Ah, uh, my goodness, ah, uh, probably telepathy. Honestly, yeah, yeah I would here. love. Yeah, I just. Like, not Jean Grey level telepathy, you know, you don't want, you know, that kind of having to deal with it, but Professor X level would be alright. <laughs> you know, where you. you're powerful, but not, like, destroying the universe powerful. Yes. And, honestly, like, telepathy and telekinesis, like, those are really, I feel like, all-encompassing powers, because you, you could use your telepathy to control the weather, or to fly. Or to control fire. Because yeah. if, you, if you can control all the molecules around you, then you can control that. Now, that's something that's interesting that I don't know. Have you ever read the comic uh, Rising Stars by J. Michael Straczynski? I have not. Okay, it's my favorite comic of all time. Like, it is, it is great. It's a 24-issue uh, miniseries that tells a complete story. And it's by Top Cow Comics. And... What it is, Rising Stars, Okay, it's great. And it's the premise of it is that there was a flash above a city, and every single person who was in utero at the time got got superpowers. It is the only generation of people with powers that has ever existed, and the only generation of people with powers who ever will exist. So it is like... How does the real world interact with like this one generation of like, I can't even remember how many people there are with superpowers. And what's interesting about it is it takes some of that idea, like you said, of how people would legitimately use these powers that it's like, 
if somebody can manipulate incredibly small molecules, like their entire power is moving things that are the size of, of, you know, an artery or a, or a grain of sand, if that is the extent of your power, what can you do with it? Do you have to become an assassin or what else can you do if the only thing you can do is the extent of your power is pinching somebody's artery? Like if that is the, the most powerful thing you can do, what can you do to save the world that way? Or what do you do? What kind of power is that? Like, I, how do you kill an invincible man? How would you kill Superman? That kind of thing. Like, how would you kill somebody who's invulnerable? Like, it is, it is super good. Like, Straczynski is one of my favorite writers, though. Like, he, he did Babylon 5 and he wrote a lot of Amazing Spider-Man for a while and tons of comics. I think he did a Doctor Strange miniseries and some Thor for Marvel. But, uh, did some Twilight Zone when the new Twilight Zone stuff came out in the late 80s. Like, it's, he's a good writer. That's really cool. I'm going to check that out. And of course, everyone knows that they will be in the resource section on the show notes. Now, if, um, and there was actually a, uh, it was a pilot for a sci-fi show called Three Inches. No, I haven't heard of that. Where essentially this guy had a superpower where he could, it's essentially telekinesis where he could move anything, but only three inches. Huh. And so it's like, okay, what do you, what do you do with this superpower? And he, and essentially he, they were using him to like rob banks and he didn't know if the people he was robbing banks for were good or evil. And he was like stealing a bunch of cool stuff. That really sounds cool. I wrote that down too to check out. Excellent. Excellent. Um, and this this question I just started asking, if you could have one absolutely ridiculous superpower, what would you have? Like, ridiculous, ridiculous as in just, like, doesn't make any sense whatsoever, Not may not necessarily be that helpful. I don't know. Like that episode of South Park, you know, like you're pooping ice cream? That'd be pretty good. Like, if I, <laughs> if I pooped ice cream or, like, pooped tacos or something, that'd be great. That, that, you know, that would actually... As long as they were, like, good tacos. Like, yeah, like, you don't want, like, Taco Bell tacos. Like, you want, like, legit going to, like, Mexico tacos. Like, like the things that, like, you would get, like, your grandma would make. That yes. That's the kind of tacos you want. You don't want, like, you know, you don't want, like, a Gordita Supreme or something like that. Yeah. My, my Although power... if I pooped them and that was what I got, it's like, well, why not? Yeah, you know, it could vary, like... Maybe it's like you poop tacos with whatever proximity taco place you're within. <laughs> now, that's, now that's a ridiculous superpower. Yeah. Um, my, my ridiculous superpower was always I would want to be able to shout at uh, the television screen and whoever I'm <laughs> shouting at to be able to hear me and react accordingly. I think that's called theater. <laughs> yeah, but they never react accordingly. If you if you go get the right actors, they do. Like <laughs> I, I I was a theater minor in college, and so like I'm a jackass. And so if somebody said something, I was the one who turned to the audience and was like, "Really, this is what you're doing?" And uh, like it was uh, that's fun if you get the right people and you have the right like not Broadway type stuff. They're trained too well, but you get like local community theater and stuff like that. Sometimes you don't want to ruin it for them, but if you get people in the audience, sometimes you can see some fun stuff. Well, and it's also, it could be like, I just need to go to some more improv shows. Oh, yeah. Now I love improv shows. But, like, yeah, you're absolutely right. Like, yelling at the TV. It's like, no! 
Don't do that, Hurley! It's, or, yeah. or if I'm, like, shouting at a live sporting event. <laughs> and yeah, I could just, just be like, the coach by proxy. Yeah. And I just think it would really help my fantasy football teams. That's like, true. Like, it really would. And then you could, like, then you could actually make the money off of DraftKings that no one ever does. And, right? And, and I'm glad that I don't have telekinesis, though. Like you saying that, like, thinking about the things that you would do in real life is because I have sat driving, and I used to have really major road rage. I still do, but I keep it under control now, where I would, like, think about and fantasize that if I had, like, if I was, like, Darth Vader, like, I would just throw these people's SUV into the trees beside us and just keep going. It's like, that's a that's a good reason why people don't have, have real superpowers. <laughs> don't ever move to L.A. The traffic is worse. I would, I would die. Like I, <laughs> like everything I've ever heard about LA traffic, I'm fairly certain that I would either kill myself or somebody else, or just never leave my house. I might become a recluse just because of that. It's it's usually what happens. Um, it's the reason why I don't want them to invent flying cars. I just want to own the only flying car. That'd be great. Like. I, I don't need all the rest of you to fly and clog up my airway. Yeah, but hopefully that there would be enough space that you wouldn't have to worry about that. Um, yeah, but humans tend to screw everything up. That's true. We, we really do. So what did you do to work out nerd out this week? You said you're really starting to get back into the gym. I'm starting to get back to the gym. I'm actually going back today sometime this afternoon after being so sick. Um, working out, I've been working on my fit desk. Uh, it's, uh, and basically a, a walking, like you have a treadmill desk, except it's a, an exercise bike with a desk attached to it. It is great for just being able to have some low impact stuff. If you work from home or play video games or do anything like that, just getting my stamina built back up doing some yoga and meditation, things like that, to be able to just move around as I'm getting used to it again. And I know I said this before we started recording. I went for an hour walk with my wife and my dog, and I came back in and wanted to pass out that I was so tired from walking for an hour that I know I'm in such bad shape that I'm going to have to build back up very slowly. But it, it'll happen. But that's really what I've been doing that way. And in terms of... Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say that's... the. You know, from where from where I know where you used to be, I really hope you get back there. Just put yeah. in the effort, man. Anything yeah, I'm, you can do to help. I'm going to. Like, I need people to yell at me on Twitter. Like, that's what's worked <laughs> the best for me. And I, I know it sounds so weird, but it's like, when people yell at me on Twitter, that that keeps me more accountable than my wife. Like, you need to go run today. And I'm like, yeah, I know I do. And if, like, some, like, not even you, but, like, some random person who found my blog is like, dude, if you run today, I'm like... Yeah, that guy cares. It's like he wants me to run and I'll go put on my shoes and go out. Like that's the kind of thing that really like makes me motivated because like this online persona of of this like I don't want to let them down. Like I don't want to let my wife down either, but she sees me daily and is like she knows that I'm kind of like I said a turd man. And uh <laughs> but it's like people on the internet are counting on me. And uh so yeah, I'm really hoping to be able to honestly get back to running because Dude, I miss it so bad. Like, I didn't realize, like, I keep trying all of these different kinds of exercise. Like, I got into cycling this year. I've been, like, wanting to lift weights. I've been getting more into doing body weight stuff and trying to get into building up enough of a base to do powerlifting again. And it always comes back. It's just like, running is my thing. Like, that is 
what I truly care about. Like that is, if there is an identity within fitness, it is, it is a runner for me. Yeah. Well, excellent, dude. Get back after it. I'm, I'm excited to hear all about this journey and I'll definitely be sure to shout at you on Twitter once or twice. Yeah. Just shout at him and be like, you run today, you little turd man. And I'm like, no, I better go outside. But it's got to be after February 8th because I have a dentist appointment and I have a toothache that every time that I tried to run within the last week, it just shoots pain up into my jaw. Oh. So I have to wait and figure out what's up with my tooth when I can get in with the dentist. Yeah. Okay. Well, February 8th, we'll mark it on our calendars. And what was your nerd out? Uh, I've been playing so much Marvel Future Fight. Like, I hated mobile games. It's a mobile game on Android and iOS. Like, I hated mobile games. And I got it on iPhone 7 Plus in December because I was able to switch to Verizon, and it's all cheaper, and they let me pick this cheaper than my other phone, yada, yada, yada. And I decided, since I actually have the screen real estate, I'll try some mobile games now. I got the 128 gig, so I can actually install them now. Um, and it was like... This game is just a superhero beat 'em up. Like it's going around like Final Fight or 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 anything like uh, Double Dragon. But man, being able there's this huge roster of superheroes and it's just fun. Like I have, I have my wife's been like, you always have your phone up and that's auto playing. I'm like yeah, because I'm trying to unlock stuff to play and do the end game stuff. <laughs> it's it's unlocking different superheroes and there are different kinds of, of battles and world bosses and like a ladder of different like super hard challenges to open up and be able to have the right heroes to do it. Like it is definitely a kind of you can pay to win, but you can also unlock so much stuff for free as you do it. It's it's just a lot of fun, like being able to uh, just l really run around and play a Spider Gwen or Kamala Khan and beat stuff up super good to me that's awesome dude i'm looking like at is. it yeah i was looking at it right now and it's uh yeah it looks cool like it's it's not the kind of game that i ever thought that i would get invested in but i really truly have like i am i'm working through the end game to it and it's like this does not happen very often for games especially a cell phone game that has kept me playing for like five weeks now like every single day it's odd but man like i said star wars superheroes and exercise no oh, that's awesome i uh let's see my workout nerd out is i actually did get back to the gym this week um i've All taken right. the last i've taken the last couple days off because i was telling you earlier i uh i've just been so sleep deprived just yeah for whatever reason like normally i will go into work and have a cup of decaf and if people know about decaf coffee, it's not no calf. It's just extremely low calf. Yeah, like minuscule. Yeah. And so on on bad days, I will have half and half. Mm, yep. Like half decaf, half regular. Yesterday, I had three cups straight regular coffee. Oh, holy moly. So, yes, my, my, I'm just, yeah, it's, it's been a very lack of sleep at the, uh, Rotter household recently. So I have to ask about doing that because my wife, uh, cut out caffeine a couple of years ago and she, uh, her reaction to having like full caffeine, fully caffeinated coffee and, and lattes, we were in Portland, Oregon uh, on vacation and she decided to have the first 
fully caffeinated latte that she had had in in over a year. And then we went to OMSI, the uh, Oregon Museum of Science and Industry, and they have a decommissioned military submarine, World War II submarine. And so we went on a tour down in here, and my wife is not claustrophobic, but apparently that much caffeine in her system, like, made her start, like, freaking out with all the people in there and, like, leaning up against a corn, like, batting her shirt, like, I gotta get out of here, I gotta, this is just too much caffeine. And, like, did you get, like... Not even weird. Did you get weird like that after that much caffeine, not drinking it very often? No, because I'm not I'm not a no-caffeine guy. Like, yeah. normally if I'm going to the gym, I'll have a pre-workout that contains caffeine. Yeah. Um, and maybe once or twice a week, if I need to, to, to wake myself up, I'll have an energy drink. Which, by the way, are so bad for you. Oh, they're so terrible. Yeah, I... Um, but... Um, as I was telling a doctor once, because the doctor was like, why do you drink that crap? And I was like, <laughs> because it does what it says it's supposed to do. It does. <laughs> like, just don't drink them exclusively. One of my friends in, uh, I think it was right as we started college, only drank Monster Energy drinks. Ooh. Like, all he drank from the time he woke up in the morning to the time he went to bed was Monster Energy drinks. And then after that, his doctor, he ruined his kidneys by doing that. And he couldn't like drink anything. Like it was only clear stuff and water, uh, mostly water. Like he couldn't stand up for a while. Like he couldn't sit up or stand up for more than just a few minutes because his kidneys hurt so badly. And when I was dating my wife, like when we first dated, I wanted to make such a good impression and be like, I'm this happy go lucky guy. I would drink two of the like 24 ounce, like rock star energy drinks on my drive to meet her before a, a, a date. So I was, I was awesome. On those, like it was, that put you on point. You you thought you were awesome on those. I did. Hey, it worked. She <laughs> married me. There you go, man. One way or another, whether it worked that way or not, she married me. So <laughs> she, she she saw a, a damsel in distress. She needed to rescue. That's true. Like she doesn't <laughs> go for the dark and brooding guys. Like you know, there's there's good inside him anyway. Like it's no, it's like there's something wrong with this man. Maybe you know, maybe this, maybe I need to rescue him. <laughs> No, um, and when I was in college, I, uh, I was working two jobs and taking summer classes. Oh, man. (laughs) So I would, and I would wake up at around eight o'clock in the morning, um, have an energy drink, normally like a 16 ounce monster. Right. And then I'd go to work and at some point during that, I would have another one. Get out of work at get out of work at four, and either from there I would either go to a, my second job at five, or I'd go to class at six. Oh man! So then I would get out of either one of those at nine. I would have another energy drink at nine p.m. and I would either I would study till about midnight, and then me and a buddy would play video games until like three or four o'clock in the morning. That sounds about like college, yeah? Yeah. And sleep for three hours, rinse, repeat. Yep. So after a month of doing that, I, like, my urine glowed. I don't doubt it. Like, you were able to, like, fill up glow sticks for kids' Halloween parties at that point, I'm pretty sure. Oh, yeah. It was ridiculous. And it was to the point where I was going through, like... A Costco-sized thing of Monster every week. 
Because like and you're wow yeah three a day times you know seven days a week it's twenty one monsters a week. And just that, so everyone knows, there is a warning on those that say don't drink more than three servings in a 24-hour period. Oh, I didn't know that. I've never seen that. Yeah. So, uh, very bad. Um, when I, when I, when I finally realized that I needed to stop because I had about, um, I had a two-week period where classes ended and my second job ended, um, and I was just working one job until my, during the school year job started. Right. I just cut cold turkey, no caffeine. Um, I did not, I did not get out of bed for 24 hours. Cause I had the worst caffeine headache. It was, it was bad. Yes. Um, and that's when I realized, you know what, let's everything in moderation. Yeah, that's actually, those caffeine headaches is why, are why I haven't cut caffeine yet, is because I would, I only drink one cup of coffee in the morning, but it's a huge cup of coffee. <laughs> and, like, it's, I fill up the, the coffee maker to four, and I drink that, and I have this giant mug, and that's all I drink, and that's all the caffeine that I drink, like, at all during the day. And I've thought about needing to cut back from even that, because if I don't have about even half of that cup in the morning, like, I get a splitting caffeine headache. Oh yeah. Getting, cutting out caffeine is super painful for about, you know, three days to a week. Uh huh. So, but yeah, it's, it's bad. But, um, I do have to mention my nerd out. Um, I was fortunate enough to discover the Buffering the Vampire Slayer podcast. Oh, don't know that one. Um, it is a, it is these two amazing women, Kristen and Jenny, um, love, lovely couple, and they are just going one by one episode through, uh, episode by episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and doing podcasts about it. Oh, so, that sounds awesome. Yeah. So they were doing a live episode at this comic shop in LA and I had connected with them um, via email just because, um, they're very progressive. I'm very progressive. And right after the election, I sent them uh, an email because I could tell they were kind of in the same mindset I was. Yeah. And they ended up reading that email on their show. Awesome. And so then I emailed them and I was like, Hey, I'm going to meet you guys. You know, uh, I'm really looking forward to meeting you guys and seeing the live show. And they were super excited that I was coming. Uh, and I ended up talking with them after the show and it was just, it was one of those moments where you only have five to 10 minutes with somebody. Yeah. But all I want to do is make sure they're successful with whatever they do, um, with their podcast. One of them is a musician. Um, the other does a lot of work for some LGBT websites. Fantastic. And, yes, let's support them. Yeah, and they're they're uh, very politically active. They went to the the women's march here in LA um, on inauguration day, and it they their hey their podcast is super entertaining, and they don't usually make it political, which is it's a nice escape. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. 
But it was one of those things where in five to 10 minutes, all I wanted to do was be like, okay, what do you need to be successful and how can I help you with that? You know? Yep. So they they were super amazing. Um, very cool. Very gracious. And it's, it's one of those things where I just wanted to go up to them and be like, look, uh, I know we're adults and sometimes these conversations are hard to have, but I'd like to be your friend. Can we be friends? Yeah. I know that I, I I totally know where you're coming from. You just, sometimes you just connect with people. It's like, yep, these are my people. These are the these are exactly the kind of people I need in my life to make me better. Yeah, and it's 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 like sometimes I feel like when you get past your 30s, your group of friends should be fixed, should already be decided, and yeah. I'm like. But I want to make so many new friends. I want to make all the friends. And it's so hard to be like, how do you have that conversation with someone? The, hey, yeah. I'd like to be your friend. How do we go about doing this? What is What are, what are the acceptable parameters of this friendship? Yeah. I Yes. That is. <laughs> it's so hard to make friends when you're our age. Like, that's, that's something that I ended up, like, cutting ties. And I hate to say it in such a way, but the people I grew up with, most of them are very different people than who I've become. Like we really did drift apart personality wise, beliefs wise, uh, political, everything is just like split off. And so uh, having to make new friends in, you know, my late twenties was ultra hard. And, you know, now I have wonderful friends. I love all of my friends. And to this day, you know, most of my friends come from the internet that I consider, I mean, Void, who I do my podcast with, I consider like him and the guy I write my novels with, uh, Austin, that Void and Austin are my best friends. One of them lives in West Palm Beach, Florida. Austin does. He just moved down there with his wife. And Void lives in Minnesota. He lives outside of Minneapolis. And like both of these are 13 to 17 hours away. And I don't see them in person. I've never met Void in person, but like he's like, one of my two best friends in the world. And it's just like the internet is where I make friends now. And it's not even like, like you said, it's like, I just want to be your friend. It's not even, I want to connect with you. You know, I want to be this, like, no, I want to be your friend. We need to be buddies. It's like when, when my wife has a baby, I'm going to send you a picture before I send it to Facebook, <laughs> that kind of thing. Yeah, def definitely one of those things. And I, I moving to LA right after I turned 31, I think I turned, yeah, right after I turned 31, was, like, I was giving up so, like, I'd lived in Phoenix my entire life, I right. had my friend group, I had everything, and I move out here, and yeah, I still have some of those old friends, but making new friends in Los Angeles was exceptionally difficult, and I didn't actually meet any of these people through, like, how you traditionally make friends. Like, you meet somebody and you have stuff in common, whatever. It uh -huh. was through podcasting. Or, okay. you know, you know, I, I met up with Joe. And then uh, me and Joe became friends. Uh, and then I met other people through podcasts. And we would, you know, meet each other via Twitter and then it turns out they're in San Diego or they're in LA or they're in Riverside, um, you know, or the, the, the people from the WEC podcast. And it's, it's, it's really interesting how 
I had like zero friends here until I actually got my podcast up and running and then started meeting all these amazing people. Which is really crazy to me, meeting people from something online like this. Like you may have gone to meetups and things like that, but that's like meeting people online from stuff like this has actually happened more to me in real life lately too. It's like, oh, I found you this. I know you do this. And it's like, wow, really? Like even in my hometown, it's like, that's weird. How'd you find me? It's like, I don't promote it locally, that kind of thing. And LA is much bigger than where I'm from, but that's, that's interesting to me that you met all these people through that and who are local to you. Yeah. And I just, it's, it was, it was, it was actually probably like very, very fortunate because for like six months prior to that, I was like, I'm so alone. I um, can't even imagine that. Uh, well, it's like I had, I had my wife, but she was working a big law firm job. And so she was working like, 10, 12 hours a day, not including a commute. And I didn't have a job yet. So I'm at home alone with the dogs, like not having an adult conversation with anybody. Oh yeah, that's tough. So if you're out there, everybody, if you're out there in LA, if you're out there, wherever, start a podcast, you'll make friends. That's, that's true. You really (laughs) will. Like, like, I haven't promoted the Health Hacks podcast nearly as much as I should have, but almost immediately I started getting subscribers and people emailing me about stuff who I didn't know. And it's like not my normal circle of people I associate with on Twitter or Facebook or anything like that. It's just like you put it out there and people will find it. Like, I don't know if I'm lucky that that our podcasts have taken off with such, I mean, honestly, little promotion as we've done. But because I hear about some people's numbers and it's like, wow, we get a lot more than that. And we started getting more than that. It's like, I don't know where they're coming from, but if you do it and you do it right and you do it of quality, you know, like you do, people will come. You will make friends doing this. Oh, yeah. And like, yes, I do this in a sense for me, but I also want it to be worthwhile for the person listening. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't just want to provide zero utility for people. And I think that's, I hope it comes across that there's this like genuineness about, I really want people, I've said it before, but it's like, I don't care what you love. I just want you to love more of it. Yeah. That's, that's kind of the way I am too. It's like, I may not agree with you. It's like, I know there are a lot of people who loved rogue one and I'm really glad that you did. It's like, just love it. Like, yeah. and own loving it. Like, that's one, I'm, I'm not a My Little Pony person. I'm not like a brony <laughs> or anything like that. But I'm so glad that people fell in love with something. Like, I love people who are passionate about things. Well, you, you know that I'm a huge brony, right? I did not, really. I love My Little Pony. It is just, the show's amazing. The comics are hilarious. Um, I was fortunate enough to go to a My Little Pony convention <laughs> in, um, in October, and the a lot of the voice talent yeah. was, was, was there, and they are some of the most genuine, nice, kind-hearted people. I've and, always heard that. Yeah, some of the best fans. Like, everybody is courteous and nice and passionate, and is just, it is so... It was incredibly refreshing because there was none of this, there was no, 
well actually going on. Yeah. Yeah, and that's what I love. Like, I'm not a part of that community at all, but that's what I've seen from the outside. And that is probably my biggest, like, complaint about geek culture a lot, nerd culture, is the, well, actually. And it's like the negativity that comes from liking something so much that you have to be critical of other people liking it not as much as you or anything like that. It's like, no, we love this stuff. It's not you love this stuff. It's not I love this stuff. It is we love this stuff. And there are elements of it for each of us that don't denigrate anything that you or I love about it. And it's it's not a zero-sum game here. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, so I have taken up, oh, my goodness, like over an hour and a half of your time. So <laughs> That's I do, fine. I, I do want to begin to wrap up, especially sure. because I'm talking with Joe Hogan uh, in about 20 minutes. All right, uh, then yeah, I probably should. <laughs> All right. Uh, you have mentioned some apps and resources, uh, for, uh, mindfulness, meditation, and Buddhism, uh, also some games and some comic books, but do you have another nerd or fitness resource or an app that help you, um, kind of keep, keep on with your goals? Um, it's not an app, but I've been really using it. It's a physical planner. Like this has changed the way that I do work, especially, you know, like I said, I transitioned into freelancing. It's called the Freedom Mastery, uh, Law of Attraction Planner. And my friend got me this for Christmas and I'm fairly hippy dippy. I'm like you. I did a, in my last podcast, I referred to myself as a bleeding heart, tree hugging, damn near socialist liberal. And, uh, <laughs> like, this is the kind of thing that, that I really love. And it is going through and combining productivity with personal growth. And it's got like every month you're setting out both personal and professional goals. You're setting out life goals and mind mapping, you know, where you want to be as you work for, toward individual steps every week and every month. And then at the end of every month, you go through and you reflect on all of the stuff. And there's like a questionnaire that you fill out. Like, how have you progressed in this? What do you need to work on more? You know, what was the best thing about the month? What was the worst? And like, not just from a professional standpoint, it's like, you know, I didn't get to meet my deadline this time. My boss yelled at me and I got fired. And, but it's, you know, did you meditate every day? If that was your goal, you know, for me, it was, I set a goal for myself in January of putting my phone down completely during one night and not looking at it from like five o'clock until the time I went to bed. And I failed at that. I failed at it hardcore. And so on February 1st, I started that again and succeeded at it. And so it's been this kind of thing of just taking individual, both personal growth and professional steps that my friend didn't know if I was going to use it or like it. And I've used it every single day since January 1st. And I got to say, it has changed the way that I do my work and the way that I approach uh, personal growth and mindfulness. So like if there's anything like that and I use it for fitness too, I have on there sometimes my priority during the day has like your top three priorities and your goal. It's like my goal is to hit the gym today. It's like, and my priorities are get work done, you know, what, what, yada, yada, yada. But my goal is to go to the gym today. And so it's that kind of stuff where you can keep up with both and it's integrated so well that, you know, you guys, you can buy it on Amazon, I know, and there's a whole website dedicated to it. I think it's like freedommastery.com, but it's not an app, but it is, it is more useful than any productivity and mindfulness app that I've used to track myself than I've tried to use. Excellent. And that seems like a, an awesome resource. 
Yeah, it is great. Right. And where can people connect with you? I am on... on oh, sure. Go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I was just going to say, where can people connect with you on social? Um, I am at Professor Beege on Twitter. I'm also at Geek Fitness Cast on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. So wherever you guys are, I'm pretty much somewhere. And I have a blog that I keep updated regularly uh, nowadays, yay, uh, on geekfitness.net. Excellent, excellent. And to cap things off, what parting advice do you have for everyone out there listening to the podcast? Show up. I mean, it doesn't matter what you do, what step you do. Try something. Do something. Like, that that has helped me probably more than almost anything else is just trying to be present and showing up for whatever I'm doing. Don't just, you know, sit in the back. I Don't do like I did in college and just sit in the back in the moment that uh, you're allowed to leave, leave. Actually show up uh, for whatever it is that you're doing. Put your uh, put some ass into it. <laughs> absolutely. Bij, I want to thank you so much for taking time to talk with me today. I absolutely appreciate it. I love talking with you, and we will do this again. Hopefully not wait six months to yeah, do it. Yeah, hopefully not. Absolutely. <laughs> and you'll have to get you on mine now that I'm actually working through and recording and doing stuff on my podcast again. Sounds excellent. Just let me know the time and place, my friend. Absolutely. All right, everyone out there listening, thank you again for listening to episode 49 of the Dumbbells and Dragons podcast. We will catch you on the next one. Workout nerd out. Bye, guys. Thank you for listening to the Dumbbells and Dragons podcast. Please leave us a review on iTunes as well as a rating. We would definitely appreciate it. And while you're at it, follow us on all social media at Dumbbells Dragon. That includes Pinterest, Tumblr, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Periscope, and Snapchat. Until next time, workout nerd out.